Welcome to Design Your Destiny, your podcast for tapping into the power of your subconscious mind. In this next few minutes, allow me to show you how to tap into that power so that you can create success with ease, form deeper connections, and have greater presence in your relationships, and most importantly, find peace within yourself. My name is Penny Chason, and I'm your host. Hey, hey, joyful souls. It is Penny, and I am back today with a special guest. She is a friend, a mentor, and someone who's very dear to my heart. I have with me today Lisa Carpenter. She is a master coach, an emotional resiliency expert, and has a truly no bullshit approach to taking care of the things in your life. And I absolutely love that because it was about two years ago that Lisa called me out on my own shit and made a huge change for me, which we may or may not talk about later today. So I want to welcome Lisa. Why don't you um, tell everybody a little bit more about you? Well, thanks for having me on, Penny. I'm excited to spend this time with you today. Gosh knows what kind of rabbit hole we'll end up down in, but you are correct. I am really a no bullshit type of coach. And uh, I really, you know, I really support the men and women that I work with learning what it means to be a high performing individual, because most of the people I work with are very driven and ambitious. They want more out of their lives, but they're not willing to sacrifice themselves anymore. So, you know, most people don't look at self-care as an aspect of high performance, but it very much is. So often to get the things that we want, we have to start doing the things we've been unwilling to do. And I really support people in in figuring out what those things are going to be for them so they can achieve whatever it is they want in their life. Yeah. And, you know, I think that you and I, we've had many conversations together over the last couple of years. And, you know, a lot of people look for that magic bullet, that that fanciful switch, that one thing that's going to fix everything. And God, it, it, you know, it just doesn't exist. We have to, we have to dive in and do all of this work. And speaking of the work, you and I had talked about something recently that I really want to start out with today and touch on. And that is this culture of toxic positivity. And, you know, the last two years have been freaking hard and beyond. I mean, yes. I mean, I've gotten off lucky. I live on a farm. I'm like in East, you know what? <laughs> um, we won't say the word, but anyway, I'm in the middle of nowhere. So it, pretty much a hermit, but it still affects you when you want to go out, see people do things and people judging people. Oh my God, let's just not even go down that rabbit hole. But with the circles that you and I both move in, we're mm-hmm. both familiar with, you know, law of attraction. It matters where our attention is, where our thoughts are, but there are some groups, people, people who've read the books, maybe they watched a YouTube video. They get caught up in this, that if you don't have what you want in life, like you're not thinking positive enough and our thoughts are important where our attention is, is important, but we can't ignore who we are in the human experience that we're, we're having. And people end up, in my opinion, this is, you know, my interpretation from the work I do, people deflect from what's really going on. They'll book in a call with me to see if maybe we should work together. 
they start to tell me what's going on. They go, oh, I know, I know. I, I shouldn't say that. That's a story. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's, let's talk about what's really going on here. Because if you want to have a better life, if you want to have a positive life, like you, we've got to let go of the past. And that means sometimes staring it straight in the face. So what is your take? What, you might even want to share some of your personal experience mm. from last year because you're, you're in Canada. So it's a whole different situation there. Yeah, well, we won't we won't go too far down that rabbit hole, but it has been a very challenging year for me. And one of the reasons it's been challenging is because I have all the tools in the toolbox, right? So quote unquote, I should know better. And I've really had to navigate my humanness, right? We can't avoid our emotions. We can't think our way through our problems. We can't just use gratitude to step over grief and sadness and frustration. And listen, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh my gosh, I want to feel all my feelings today. Said no human ever, right? Most of the people that I work with have a very complicated relationship with their emotions, right? They don't trust them. They don't know how to use them in a powerful way right? They, they see them as kind of this, this negative thing they don't want to deal with. So I'm all for gratitude, but we can feel gratitude and grief at the same time. We can feel happy and feel sad at the same time. We can, you know, be optimistic about what is coming and also, you know, frustrated with what is here now. We can feel hopeless and we can feel like losing hope at the same time, like we can vacillate that wide in a day. And, you know, one of the things I've really struggled with this year, because I am such a kinesthetic person, which means I process the world through my emotions, is allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling without getting trapped in it. Meaning, you know, allowing myself to feel the sadness, the frustration, the anger, the deep grief, but then also saying to myself, okay, Lisa, like this is here, we can't step over it. And how can I best support myself in this moment? And some of the things that I've had to realize is that the best way I can support myself is by fully expressing my emotions, which a lot of people are like, well, that you can't do that because then you're holding your attention on what you don't want. But what's been happening because I haven't been fully expressing it because I don't really want to be with these waves of grief that keep slapping me out of nowhere because grief is a very messy and complicated emotion in my interpretation. Uh, I've never experienced grief on this level. And because I can't see the end to when, you know, it's not like somebody died and we're getting further and further away from that death. We're still in the middle of this, at least here in Canada. I'm still very much in the middle of this. And I've come to realize that I have to just fully allow this to be here so that it will continue to wash through me instead of like, you know, I loosen the radiator cap a little bit to diffuse a little bit of the emotion. And then I'm like, okay, we, this has got to be done, right? Am I done yet? Am I done feeling this yet? So that's, um, those are some of my thoughts on, you know, toxic positivity. It actually doesn't help me move forward. It it becomes a distraction for some people, especially when you don't have all the tools, when you don't understand, you know, what those emotions are really driving you to do, because they're really a compass for us to take care of our needs. Correct. They're just feedback loops, 
right? They're, they're powerful conveyors of information that support us getting curious about, well, what am I thinking? And you're, you can't take your emotions and then, you know, try and completely analyze them. But if you don't lose yourself to them, and what I mean by that is giving them more meaning than they're meant to have, right? Like if you can look at your emotions with curiosity, not judge yourself for feeling them. And that's what toxic positivity is all about is saying like, oh, me feeling sad is bad. That's going to screw up my life. Or me feeling grief is bad. That's going to screw up my life. Or me feeling anger. I can't begin to tell you, and I'm sure you hear this all the time. (laughs) I'm not an angry person. I'm like, well, if you're human and you're upright on the planet, you are able to experience anger, but that doesn't make you an angry person. It means you're having feelings of anger. And what can that anger tell us about what's going on for you? That's it. Yeah. And, you know, last year I, I'm always learning, right? I'm diving in and learning more. And in my mentor, Cal Banyan, that trained me in hypnosis, I did an advanced training with him and we were talking about emotions and diving in and when he said this, like I immediately knew, like I, I connected the dots because I saw this with the people I work with, especially women. So many times we tend to misidentify anger as sadness because we're taught when we're younger that, you know, it's it's not ladylike. And I know that's going to tick some people off. I've had people tell me, oh, please don't say that. But those were the words that were said yeah. to me where I grew up when I was it's, as a child. It's not ladylike to be angry. Little girls don't get angry. It's, it, it doesn't look nice. And so we begin to identify that as sadness because sadness isn't more acceptable emotion. And so if you think you don't get angry, Think about when you've been sad and just ask yourself, what did I lose? And if your answer to what did I lose is something like, well, I lost my ability to stand up for myself. I lost my ability to speak up for myself. I, you know, lost my ability to be who I want to be because of what someone else expected of me. And then just allow yourself to recognize that truly deep down inside, that's really unfair, right? So then that means it's anger. Right. Like, you know, a lot of what has been coming up for me this year that I've, I've realized is, you know, when I was growing up, I've always been a, you know, critical thinker slash questioner, which, you know, as a young girl back then, and even still now, you know, when we're in school and with our parents, you don't question. We do it because we do it this way. You have to learn this because this is what you need. But why do I need to learn this? I'm never going to be an accountant because I said so. You know, yeah. like it was always just like toe the line, Lisa. This is the way we do things. Whereas my brain was like, but there's a better way. Have you thought about it this way? And I wasn't allowed to be angry about that. Right. Like so often when we're told when we're young that we don't get to, feel what we're feeling. So it's very confusing, right? Like that saying, you get what you get and you don't get upset. My son said that to me. And I was like, who said that to you? Of course, you're allowed to get upset. You may not get what you want, but you're allowed to be upset if you want something and it doesn't work out that way for you. It doesn't make you a bad person. 
You know, so often we're told not to feel things because the other person doesn't have the capacity to just allow you to be in your emotions, right? They're uncomfortable with what you're feeling. So they better say something to make you stop feeling what you're feeling so they can feel better. So for me, what's been happening this year is realizing that that 10-year-old version of me who, you know, over the years through the work I've done on myself, I've learned to have a voice. I've learned that I can disagree with people and still see other perspectives. You know, I've learned that it doesn't matter if somebody else is judging me. I've learned that I can be angry and upset and, you know, all the emotions. But with the world the way it is right now, that part of me that feels incredibly unheard right? Incredibly unheard and so badly wants to be heard. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not the only one who feels some of the things that I'm feeling, right? Like I'm not one in a million, but I would say I'm probably in the minority. It's been a really challenging time to still stand in my power and have my voice, but recognize those emotions, that 10-year-old girl who was told that her voice didn't matter, her emotions didn't matter, right? She's really like, this is here with me today. And I can't just skip over that part. So, you know, that's all to say is that all emotions have a place in our life when you can learn the messages that they're actually trying to deliver. They're not here to piss you off, suppress you, ruin your life. They're literally here to help guide you when you understand how to use them and interpret them in a way that supports you growing as an individual. Yeah. I mean, people in general, you know, tend to run from it and distract away from it. And and what I find is that many times when people say they don't feel their emotions, and I know you're big on this, that they're busy doing They're busy distracting, they're numbing. And I know that that is something that you're absolutely expert at. And you and I are in a coaching, we're not in a coaching program together. You're a coach Mm -hmm. in the coaching program that I'm in. And I've been in that coaching program for three years. And every time I always wait, you do the same post every round around money and feelings and food and taking care of what's important to you. I think I'm wrapping two or three together, but we get so caught up in our heads that we're not paying attention to what's important to us. Yeah. The, you know, we all get into these numbing behaviors and they can look a variety of different ways from flipping into toxic positivity to control, to people pleasing, to constantly looking for everybody's approval of what you're doing, to drinking, to drugs, to social media, right? Like there's all these numbing behaviors, but those numbing behaviors are your attempt to suppress what it is you're feeling. So in essence, you're constantly trapped in your emotions. So as much as you say, well, I don't want to feel this by not feeling it, you're trapped in a rabbit hole of behaviors that are literally choking the life out of your life. And I know this because this was, you know, what I experienced when my husband went to rehab almost 10 years ago now. And I had to wake up to the fact that I was living my life buried under all these behaviors that weren't true, that I was so up in my head. I had no ability, like I wouldn't let people hug me, Penny because 
I didn't want that closeness, right? Because it would stir up emotion in me. Like I'm not a hugger. I would tell people I'm not a hugger. If you meet me now, I'll like hug you until you like push me away. Right. I have to remember to respect people's personal space. And now, you know, post COVID, I don't even, is, is hugging even going to be a thing out in the world? I don't even know. It's a thing in my world. I don't care what anybody else does. Me too. Me too. So I had to learn how to get out of my head. I had to learn how to get into my heart. I would have to practice every single day to ask myself, like, what am I feeling? And actually pause and like, oh, what is this? Oh, I'm tired right? Like, oh, I'm I'm feeling sad. And the more I practice that, the more I realize that, gosh, my emotions change like every 15 minutes. Like they literally just flow in and they flow out and they don't mean anything. I had to learn to get comfortable with days where I wasn't feeling good and not get into busy and overdoing to try and move away from it. I mean, this year, if I had been in my old behaviors of the past, I probably would have worked myself into the ground as a way of avoiding feeling what I'm feeling. But this year has really challenged me to really pump the brakes, take lots of pauses, be present to what I'm feeling, have lots of conversations that are open and vulnerable that I don't necessarily love to have, you know, vulnerability and, you know, sinking into, you know, crying. And it's not a default setting of mine. I still, I'm like, I don't want to talk about this. Right. But I've created a circle around me. So I have those safe spaces. And what I've learned about myself is when I just allow myself to fully express and talk through what it is I'm feeling, I feel better. But people are afraid to do that because they're like, I don't want to hold my attention on this. Okay. Well, if we're still talking about the same thing for seven days in a row, right, we've got to get under it and see like what really needs to move here. But for the most part, when you fully surrender to what it is you're feeling, and that might be journaling, it might be throwing things against the wall, breaking things, talking to somebody, there's a whole host of ways to move your emotions. You will find freedom on the other side. But if you try and hold back, you know, a wave that's coming at you, good luck. You're going to end up wet and washed out with it. Yeah. I, you know, I just couldn't say it any better, which is why I love that we're we're having this conversation and, you know, talking about being in our emotions all the time. And and when you were talking about, you know, whether it's procrastination, people pleasing, overdoing, whatever the case may be, and that that means that you're stuck in your emotions because you're, you're numbing from it. A lot of people will say things like, oh, you know, it's really not good to dig into those feelings of the past. I find that there's a distinct difference when you're going looking for something that's not a problem and when you are dealing with something that is a problem, because until you excavate that stuff and get it out of the way so that you at least get out of your past emotions so that you can be in the present with what you're feeling and and, and recognize what you can address and what is like, okay, this is just a familiar feeling. I'm actually okay. Correct. And just let yourself feel it and move through it. That That's different. When, when you're li- living in your past emotions every day, the only way to get at that is to excavate it, process it so you can move through it. And the majority of the time, we don't even know what that is. Correct. So if we went back to the example of how I felt when I was, you know, 10 or 12, I'm aware of this because of the the depth of work I've done on myself. 
But if I was today, if I hadn't done this work and I was feeling like frustrated and angry and why can't the world listen to me? And what is happening? Like, if I didn't understand that it was coming from that place, right? You would stay trapped in it all the time because that part of you, that older part of you, where the, you know, the initial trigger was, hasn't been healed for most people. They, they don't even know where it's originating from. They just know that they feel this way. They don't know why they feel this way. They don't want to feel this way. And they're just trying to find a way to step over it and around it instead of really saying like, what parts of me need to be healed? I understand that I'm experiencing an emotion very similar to when I was 10, but I am consciously aware of everything that is happening for me and how to navigate those emotions yeah, from just a different place of, of awareness, I can be with them in a different way. But for most people, they don't really understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling. And it is attached to something that they've never truly dealt with in their life. And in my journey, I mean, oh my gosh, the excavating that I had to do that went back for years. And it wasn't about living in my past. It was about acknowledging these things happened. This is where I picked up these behaviors and I don't need them anymore. They're not healthy for me. They're not going to help me move right. forward and step into the identity of, of who I need to become. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with someone earlier this week and something that they said really stood out to me, but it's not the first time I've heard it. And it certainly will not be the last. And that is the notion that happiness is something that we get a glimpse of once in a while. And I believe that we're supposed to, for the most part, live in a state of happiness and our other emotions guide us as to what it is that we need to do to heal ourselves so that we can spend more time in a state of satisfaction or happiness. And to think that there are so many people out there that are dealing with emotions, they don't know what to do with them. And that this glimpse of happiness is like the elusive golden ring, right? To mm -hmm. steal a movie metaphor, that it's this elusive thing. I mean, that really, I don't want to say it saddens me, but I have a lot of compassion for those people because I know it can be better right. than that. So I, much better. I think that, I don't know for me if happiness is the goal, uh, because I don't put any more value on happiness than sadness. Obviously, I prefer to feel happy over sad. Right. But at the end of the day, what the, the emotion that I really want to be living from is a place of peace, yeah. right? Like just, just peace and peace can be found in the sadness and the stillness. Peace can also be found in the happiness, but it, you know, it, it's peace. But for a lot of people, I think that they actually think that, that the goal is you should be happy all the time. And that's not, it's not possible to be happy all the time. If no. you are a human on this planet, like it's, we're just not hardwired that way. We're meant to have contrast, right? You like today we've had some crazy weather here in BC, like half the province is flooded. So we had all of November's rain in one day. And I looked outside that day and I was like, Ooh, this weather, like it's very fitting of where my mood is and just let it be that way. Right. But here today, the sun is out put the top down on that crazy person with, you know, it's three degrees outside, which is just above freezing. And I got the top down and I had the music turned up and the sun is out. And I just felt glorious and grateful. Yeah. 
And you know what? That felt so much more expansive because I've had so many days that have felt so dark and so deep. And so, you know, I have have had this experience of this profound grief that now these moments where I really get to experience that joy and that gratitude and that happiness, they feel even bigger now, which gives me an even greater appreciation of the entire range that I have. But for people who are chasing, you know, happiness is 24 seven, and that's the goal you're missing out on the richness that all the other emotions allow you to experience and the growth that is there for you when you really understand what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. I think that aspect chasing the happiness all the time goes back to the toxic positivity, right? which is a, a, a tad bit on the extreme side. And I'm being conservative there, just a, just a tad bit, but it's also possible to be at peace and to be happy and to not always be in that dark place. And I think that this has been a really great conversation around that. So you had mentioned to everyone that you have a variety of tools that you use. Mm. What's one thing that you would share with the audience as a takeaway that helps you to process through this? For me, it's really looking at, again, not giving my emotions meaning and really allowing myself to have the things that are going to support me feeling better. So letting go of any rules about how my emotions should look, right? Not getting into this place of shame over, you know, why can't I just help myself feel better, right? So helping myself feel better might be taking, you know, a bath. But if I'm still not feeling great after the bath, I can't get mad at myself that I'm still like, well, why didn't that work? I find for me, one of the, one of the best ways to support myself feeling better is obviously for me, it's, you know, it's exercise. That's a foundational piece of my life. If I can start the day out and have a solid workout in the gym, I always feel like I'm winning. Another big thing for me is reaching out and getting support, whether it's from a coach a colleague, a friend, those safe spaces where I can take off my coach's hat and I can just be human and be witnessed by somebody else to fully and vulnerably express what it what I'm experiencing without judgment. Right? I think we all need those those safe spaces. And then it, you know it can be really simple things like put on some music. Now sometimes it's putting on music to help me cry. Because I need to like, I need the grief to come through, right? And because I'm not a default, like just cry it out and have a tantrum and then move past it. I actually have a playlist that supports me crying because I know that, you know, emotion is just energy in motion. If I can have a good cry, I'm going to feel better, right? If I can put on music that supports me feeling happy and grateful, that's awesome too. But it's trusting myself to know what. Is it that I need in this moment to support how I'm feeling? But it always starts with first, at least acknowledging what it is that I am feeling. Like we all have to start. We all have to start there. So I like to say that, you know, things that we love and we value, we take care of. And if you were to come across another human on the side of the road, crying or in pain, you wouldn't just kick them and keep walking. But this is how often how we treat ourselves. 
when we're feeling the way we're feeling, instead of just sitting down at the side of the road, wrapping your arm around that person and saying like, what can I do to support you through this, right? If we could just show up in a more loving and compassionate space for ourselves, as much as we give that to others, we would be in in such a better place. And then, you know, then you can move into that place of gratitude, but not before, like stop skipping over all the other richness, because it really is going to help you see your life through a different lens. As much as there's so many things that I haven't liked this year that I don't agree with, my God, when I do finally get to get back out in the world again and hug my friends and have those experiences, I am going to appreciate them on such a bigger level because it never once occurred to me that I could lose the ability to do those things. Right. So all the grief, all the frustration, all the the emotions that I have experienced are teaching me so much for what's possible on the other side. So I still don't like it when I'm in them though. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I and, and it it's it's true. It's not always pretty. And sometimes we just have to get messy, ugly with ourselves. And I I really love what you said about not judging ourselves for what we're feeling. Yeah. Right. Because it's so, so important. This has been a great conversation. I know we could keep going, but we have to wrap it up at some point. I'm so happy that you're here um, to share with the audience. Why don't you let everyone know where they can uh, connect with you, Lisa? The best place probably to find me is on Instagram. Although, you know, in all honesty, I am somewhat limiting my social media consumption these days and even presence on it, but you can find me at Lisa Carpenter Inc. Uh, You can also check me out on my website at lisacarpenter.ca, or I have my own podcast as well. And that's really where I kind of, you know, share the ins and outs of uh, the things going on in my life and how it supports uh, the men and women that I work with in, in their transformations. And that's the full frontal living podcast. And it can be found on, you know, all the platforms. Yep. And I highly recommend going and taking a listen to Lisa's podcast, because we both have similar ideas around things, but very different ways of discussing it and approaching it even. And it always pays to have more than one approach to what it is that you're dealing with. There is no one size fits all. So everyone, thank you for listening. And I will be back with you next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Design Your Destiny, I would appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. When you leave a positive review, it's like podcast currency, and we can increase our reach and get the message to even more people that they, just like you, have the ability to design their destiny. And remember, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform.